Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here is your host, Director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, thank you guys for joining us. I have once again my dear friend and brother in Christ, chaplain at the Union Gospel Mission, one of our two, and certainly been there the longest. He has probably been at the mission over 20 years. He has seen the changes of the mission come and go, and he has also seen the deterioration of the moral fiber of our country. And as we have tried to present the gospel message on a regular basis, um, it is always an ongoing fight against those entities that would have us preach a watered-down or different gospel. And so, Thomas, over the course of the years, uh, it hasn't been a deterioration on a very timed basis. It's been, seems like overnight. How does it seem to you? Well, we've watched uh, the progression of it. Uh, from taking God out of the schools to taking the Ten Commandments down from the classrooms and then the courts. Uh, when people turn their back on God, they lose their way. There's no underpinnings, no foundation for a morality. And when you don't have a foundation for a morality, you get mass shootings, broken families, broken hearts, broken children. And that is, those are the things that we see, and they are all symptoms of the deterioration, as you have said, of our abandoning of the one true and living God. Is that not correct? That's exactly correct. He told Moses, take off your sandals, for the ground that you're standing on is holy. I am the Lord thy God. Yes, and it's funny that Jesus Christ himself used that very same term. We know that Jesus was claiming to be God because, well, we know he was God, second member of the Trinity. When pressed, they said, just tell us plainly who you are. You know, you, you know he had just declared that Moses and Abraham looked forward to his coming, and they said, you're not yet 50 years old. He said, I tell you, before Abraham and Moses, I am. Amen. The high priest said, tell us if you are the son of the Most uh -huh. High. And his answer inflamed them, I am. That Hallelujah. is correct. Hallelujah. And, and the amazing part about that is we're the only ones that seem to not understand what he was saying because they certainly understood I love it. He used the title, the Son of Man, over and over again. Mm -hmm. He said, so that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And they knew that term, Son of Man, was from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, when, when Daniel said, and I saw one likened to a Son of Man coming in the clouds of glory. Jesus wanted them to know who he was. Of course, and they did know because... They knew who he said he was because they picked up stones to stone him. 
that he, being a mere man, would make himself equal with God. So we're the only ones that seem to have an understand or a misunderstanding about who Jesus said he was, right? And he said it clear, and he said it over and over. I love what he said. I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Amen. How wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Doubting Thomas uh, realized at the door, <laughs> my Lord and my God. He had, he had full understanding of who was standing in front of him. Put your finger in my hands, put your hand in my side, and s- believe and stop doubting. I, uh, I have a greater appreciation for that today than I've ever had in my life because John was a witness of the crucifixion. He was there with Mary when Jesus died. He described Joseph of Arimathea and who? Nicodemus. Yes. Taking his body down, wrapping it. Nicodemus bringing 75 pounds of myrrh and alloys, aloes, excuse me, placing it in a tomb. But then he records this. They were behind locked doors and Jesus appeared. And Jesus said, put your hands into the nail That's holes. Right. Put your hand in my side. That's right. Thomas wasn't there. Right. And then a week later, Thomas is there. And you know what he asks for? He asks for the same evidence that Jesus had provided. Exactly. It wasn't a lack of faith on his part. He wanted to see and experience what they had seen. And they proclaimed that this Jesus who was crucified has risen from the dead. And they proclaimed it and founded the church. That's right. That's right, and and to your point, uh, when we say uh, that we have taken God out of the schools, obviously we can't take God out of anywhere. We can well put. We can make our eyes blind to the fact that He is God. We can prohibit those around us from telling us that He is God and that He is in control, but we can't actually stop it. Uh, because God is who he said he was. And, and you know, uh, the very first commandment tells us, you will have no other gods before me, right? And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the house of slavery, and you shall have no other gods before me. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the, the reality is that the government can pass laws uh, state, local, federal, whatever it is, prohibiting the the um, the preaching of the word of God, but they can't annihilate it. They can't stop it. Um, you know, Pastor Mooney here was giving us a sermon last Friday, and in it he was talking about coincidentally. Well, it's not coincidental. I don't believe in coincidence. If you listened to last week's show, you heard me talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the reality is, when they stood before the king and they realized that God is all powerful, and the king asked, "Is your is your God powerful enough to deliver you from the flames?" And their retort to him was, "Yep." Well, they didn't say yep, but they said yes, O king. But even if he does not deliver us from the flames, we will not worship you. We will not bow down and worship you. 
And so our retort to everything that goes on is you can you can destroy the churches we have, you can destroy the mission if you wish. You can take away all the things that are possessions, but you cannot stop God's plan. And if you think you can, you are fighting a losing battle. Nor can you take our faith. No. It's a gift of God. God gave us the living faith of Jesus Christ that he rose from the dead, and it's not for sale, and we're not going to back up, and we're not going to turn around. He rose from the dead. If my faith came from me, it could be dismantled or destroyed. But Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. We all know that we are saved by grace through faith, but we forget that it says, and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. And so... uh, We stand before this strange precipice of a country out of control. And there's no political involvement in this at all. I'm telling, I'm just telling you that the Bible has told us for millennia that the day would come we would turn our backs on God. And I'm not talking about Christian folks. I'm talking about the world and you know, I was lamenting the other day that when I was a kid, you know, you went out and you played baseball or stickball or basketball on a summer day. You caught pollywogs with your friends and chased butterflies. And it was all good and it was all innocent and it was all fine. And now the world seems to have lost all that innocence, doesn't it feel like to you, Thomas? Uh, the shootings in Uvalde, the, and yes. all the shootings from New York to California, uh, it just breaks your heart. These people are hungry for something. They're hurting. They need the message of the love of God, that God loves you, He died in your place. He will trade your sins for his righteousness if you believe. And and the church has to be the voice crying out. Uh, The the media is painting a terrible picture of what's going on in our nation. But Mm -hmm. they don't report all the good things that are happening. They don't uh, present what's happening in the millions of lives of steadfast uh, citizens and peoples and Christians across our country. They want us to focus on their narrative and their lies so they can discourage us. I read the back of the book. We We win. win. (laughs) Yes, God is still on the throne, still sovereign. God is using pastors and deacons and Christians across this land, and they're pointing the way to the cross and to the Savior. They don't report that. They don't report that there are ministries that are bringing tens of thousands of people to prayer. Here last year in California, on the, on the steps of the Capitol, there was a meeting and, and, and thousands of Christians were there praying. And that man is doing that across this country. Does it get reported? No. The, 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 the life and the love of Jesus is flowing in this land and in this world 
through his church. And we need to remember it, we need to embrace it, and we need to be a part of it like we do at the mission. You know, it's a funny thing, and Tom, you've seen this over the years. You know, we from different groups or whatever will often get attacked about, you know, our stance on this or that. But how many times do people say, gee, guess what? The Union Gospel Mission for 60 years, and that's how old we are this year, 60 years, they have a women's clothes closet that they give clothing to women who can't afford to buy it. They feed the homeless. They house them. They, we have showers. We're right now trying to figure out how to open up showers in a different part for the ladies. We do everything that we can, and we don't do it begrudgingly, and, and we do not do it for a claim. But people need to remember all the good things that, that Christian missions have done for people as opposed to just what they think it should look like, right? Christian women in the second century started the hospital movement. Yeah. It wasn't for sick people. It was for tired and hungry people to give them a meal and a bed and to let them hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I could go there right now. <laughs> um, you know, uh, God had gone on to say, you shall make for yourself no carved image of any likeness, anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I heard an entertainer of some great renown. She has uh, been very popular. We're going to leave her name off of it. But she said probably one of the stupidest things that I had ever heard. She said that she went to church and she believed right up until she heard that preacher say that God was a jealous God. And then she said, what's he got to be jealous of me about? Well, that is, that is such a profoundly unintelligent remark because it misses the whole point of what God was saying. So let me put it into perspective for you. If I were to marry a woman and I said, but I am jealous not in that possessive sense, but I, I do not want any other man coming between me and my wife because I love my wife. I am zealous and jealous of that relationship and therefore I'm not willing to share that relationship with an outsider. That is the Lord God saying the exact same thing. Listen, you are mine. I love you. I am a jealous God. I will have no other God have a relationship and come between you and I because I am zealous and jealous because of my love for you. And so when people make a statement like, what's he jealous of me for? He's not jealous of you. He's jealous for you. And to think the creator of heaven and earth who spoke and everything jumped into existence. Amen. And at the releasing of his power, everything would just cease. To say, 
you know what, Tim, Tom, whoever your name is out there, I love you. And I will give you eternal security. I will take you home at the end of days, and you are mine. To say that, it's fully understandable that he is a jealous God. I love the translation, jealous God is Jehovah Kana. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, one of his names, that. Jehovah Kana, the jealous God. To think that the creator of the universe has his eyes on us and cherishes us so that it's, he says, I'm jealous for you. I want your eyes on me. I want your heart resting on me. You're made in my image. You're precious Amen. to me. And then it says in Psalms, we're the apple of his eye. Amen. What a precious thought. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I've been, I have, uh, I was reading some of the Psalms. And uh, for some reason, you know, you just, there's a lot of Psalms that are well known. People go to them all the time. Nothing wrong with that because some of the ones people go to all the time are great and beautiful Psalms. I myself love to go to Psalm 51, David's Lament, Amen. on a regular basis. But I was also in Psalm 13 and 14. And, you know, we misunderstand, too, why God does things. When it talks about the breaking of the bones, why would he break the bones of those that, that serve him, like David? Why would he have them pulled out of joint or whatever the case is? Well, first of all, David, when David sinned against God, his heart was broken. His body was, was withering because of his sin. But God being that God that is not going to let you just walk off over a cliff somewhere, he's going to do everything possible, and for God, nothing's impossible, to bring you back into that fold. And so uh, sometimes we are walking away in insubordination, and God is making the pressure harder and harder and harder. Would you agree with that, my brother? It brings to mind an old song, certainly, Pastor. He washed my eyes with tears oh, yeah. that I might see the glory of his love was meant for me. He took it all apart and looked inside. That's when I found the clouds were silver lined. Amen. And now I understand Twas meant for me. He washed my eyes with tears that I might see. And I think that's exactly how God operates. You know, uh, I, I hear people say, well, you know, I, I like the God of the New Testament, but the God of the Old Testament, that, that guy was pretty mean. I hate to tell you this, but the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New yeah, Testament. Absolutely, Pastor. Absolutely. And, and we have no idea what it took for him to send his son to die on the cross with all that humiliation. And, and yet he did it for us, and yet we claim he's an unjust, brutal God. No, that's not it at all. The unjust and brutal was us. Amen. And, and humankind committed deicide. That's, yeah, that's right. God, and 
when he was on the cross to the men who reviled him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's right. He cried out, I'm thirsty. He cried out, it is finished. And you know what it says, Pastor? It doesn't say then he died. It said he gave up the ghost. Yes. But you know what it says before that? Knowing that all things were accomplished. He was aware of the moment the plan of salvation was fulfilled. You know, when he said, it is finished, he didn't mean, oh, I'm finished. I can't go on anymore. It was exactly what you just said. It was the work, the plan. And then on Sunday morning came the great amen to it is finished. Right? Hallelujah. Uh, the resurrection. You know, great men and women of the Bible have understood the mercy and the love of God. Uh, we're down to three minutes, but I, I'd like to read you this real quick. David had sinned grievously against God. He had taken Uriah the Hittite's wife. And if you look in the, in the annals of David, the 300 that rode with him, Uriah the Hittite's name was there. And then in his shame and his guilt, he had him killed. Oh, he didn't do it himself. He just had the whole army retreat for him and leave the enemy to do it. At least if he'd done it himself face to face, you know, <laughs> but he didn't. But David even though he was the apple of God's eyes, repented of the things he did and listened to what he said. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Did you hear that unfailing love? According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquities, cleanse me from my sins. For I know that my transgressions and my sins are always before me against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified in when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time that my mother conceived me, and yet you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hesop and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear the joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your, <clears throat> hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors and they will turn back to you. It goes on from there, but unfortunately we're out of time. But Thomas, I'd like you to stay over with me Love until the uh, next one. And so, as always, my dear friends, 
Until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to ugmsac.com ugmsac.com To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268. 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.